Hey, 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 closet busters and bold move makers. It is time once again for Life Uncloset. So I want you to gather around because it is time once again to kick down those closet doors of your life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens. I'm the bold move expert and that coming out guy who's going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloset. So come on along with me and grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step into facing your fears, making your bold moves, and living life without apologies. Now let's get to the show. All right, Life Uncloseted family, here we are. We're all queer in our own ways, or maybe you're an ally and a supporter, but as you go through the journey, some light bulbs come off and you discover things about yourself and about the journey. You're like, oh, wow, I didn't realize all this was going to be happening in my world. And all of us have our own unique experiences around this stuff from, you know, our orientations to our spirituality and other things that you struggle and have to reconcile along the way. And I know it sounds like, okay, we know this, Rick, we know this, but sometimes it helps to be reaffirmed that A, you're not alone. And B, to hear somebody else's journey. And today's guest, his name is Dr. Roger Leslie. He has a brand new book out called Light, Come Out of the Closet. And it's a memoir of a gay soul. And I love this. Um, I feel like this is one of those books that you put it in your hands, probably in those moments that you need some support or just like a confirmation of the journey you're you're on that we're all on. Because, hey, let's get real. We never stop coming out of the closet. So I'm very excited to have this conversation with Dr. Roger Leslie and to welcome him to the podcast. So Roger, welcome, man. Glad to have you. Thank you, you, Rick. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. So let's be truthful. You've been on the other podcast already. So we we did this (laughs) once before, but we're going to take a little bit different lead on this one because this is, you know, there's a lot of listeners here that are coming out of the closet in their own lives in many different ways. But for those who are in our LGBTQ community, I feel like this is a really powerful, hopefully powerful conversation we can have. So talk a little bit about why you felt compelled, like this book needed, it needed to be birthed. Yes, you gave birth to a book. So there we go. Why did you feel that compelling desire? So the time period that this book takes place in is the late 60s to the early 70s when I was 11 to about 17 years old. And for most of my life, I have not wanted to dwell on that part of my life because I remember it as so sad and so painful and not at all like who I am because I consider myself a very happy, uh, excited about life person. And so I hadn't really thought about that stage of my life so much. And along my spiritual journey, I started in a traditional religion uh, that I was brought up with my family. And I let that religion go early on around the time that this book takes place. And I I always thought of that period of my life as painful and I don't want to return there Mm -hmm. because I've grown past it. And then I realized because I believe everything is perspective I began to want to explore, well, what if that period of my life and that religion and what my parents said and did and what my teachers said and did were actually gifts that Mm -hmm. enabled me to become who I really am? And so from that different perspective, I decided I was going to revisit those years and find out how I emerged from what I call the dark night of my soul and had the epiphany that I had that enabled me to come out of my closet. That's powerful. 
And I think all of us kind of get into that space where there is that dark time of our soul. I mean, even those who've had a, a fairly good coming out journey, there's still those dark places, those dark places that truly were just are very difficult to navigate through. So what is something that as you explored this and you <clears throat> brought this to life, did you feel that like, oh my gosh, I'm revisiting this and this is really hard? Or was it a cleansing for you as you started to work through it and write through it? It was definitely a cleansing experience. Uh, one thing that excited me while I was writing the book is that I had some really fun and funny people, adults in my life when during my childhood, and they mm -hmm. are featured pretty prominently in here. So even though I was going through some very difficult times, I had some people who were really great characters in my life. Mm. And that brought a, a sense of levity and balance to the book. So it's not about this dark, brooding, sad experience. That's a, an element of it. But there's another element of levity and joy that made me realize I want that for my life and I want to go through that. And so while revisiting this period in my life, I went through the tough parts. I had to deal honestly with some adults who challenged me in ways that I'd never been challenged before. But ultimately that taught me to find my own strength, to get my feet steady on my own foundation and realize that I needed to move forward in my life the way I thought it was best for me as a spiritual person, even if that seemed to defy everything my religion was teaching me when I grew up. Mm, big stuff to come up against that religious front. Uh, and I think, uh, I, I know you, you've been out in the community and everything. I think that's one of the biggest pieces of the puzzle oftentimes is that religious piece always seems one of the biggest boulders to try to move. So as you started to confront it, what was something that you learned within yourself? Like if I'm going to come to terms with Jesus, so to speak, <laughs> um, how did you start to come to terms with all that? I had to realize that I decide for my life what's best for me, that no one mm. else can define that for me. And what I really appreciated in the course of writing this book is the religion of my childhood, I was raised a Catholic, uh, was very rule-oriented and very regimented. Well, that fit my personality. I am a rule-following person. I've been, I was a rule-following kid who wanted to please the adults in my life. And so the big conflict that I experienced was that even though I was behaving in such a way that defined my character as such a good, dutiful son and student and everything, every role that I had at the time, being gay seemed to negate all that and took everything, just swept that all away and made me, as I perceived it in the eyes of society, in the eyes of my family and my religion, unworthy of any love. And what I came to realize in writing this book is, although I left the Catholic Church in my late teens because it wasn't a good fit for me, I came to appreciate how it gave me so many disciplines and so many uh, strengths that I would not have developed in order to free myself from some of those rules and pursue my own spiritual path. But I, I feel like in my own experience, so I was raised Seventh-day Adventist, very similar. There are certain rules and practices and stuff that I agree 100%. There's just, it's at the core essence of my being. It may not be that I'm completely aligned with the the religion at this point 
but it gave me so many other things to stand on. Like just, you know, having, you know, belief in myself and faith in uh, things greater than myself and, you know, the moral compass sort of stuff, which seems to be that a lot of people have lost these days, but we won't go into that on this podcast. <laughs> um, but I'm so glad for it. Yet it also, when I was having my biggest struggle, which was my college years around all of this, and I was starting to see not only was it my sexuality that was opening up and being explored it was also my belief in in my faith practice and i went on a sojourn so to speak of really exploring other churches to the you know to the you know to the shock and demise of my own family going you went to a different church i'm like <laughs> yeah i'm trying to figure this out you know and i'm really glad i did and it's it's kind of interesting because i didn't raise my own children in any faith practice um there's times I see that side of me going, oh, you know, I don't know where they really stand. I kind of do, you know, but then there's moments I'm like, well, did I do a bad job as a parent? Because I didn't. But yet one of the things I always maintain in my own world was I want to give my children the option of how they choose to find faith and spirituality in their life. And it wasn't until just recently that my oldest daughter said, well, <laughs> So the funny thing was she went to see Jesus Christ superstar and I'm getting a message at intermission from seeing it. And she goes, I kind of like this music, but I have no idea what it's about. Why didn't you ever teach me any of this? And I'm like, because you said you didn't want to learn. So I wasn't going to like force feed it to you. Right. But then she said, I'm really glad that you've given me the opportunity to try to figure this out myself because she's surrounded by a lot of people who were force fed, you know? Yeah. So, um, well, I was I'm very for I was very fortunate in that my parents were Catholic mm -hmm. and our you know my dad still is my mom passed away my dad is still a Catholic but they never presented their religion as if this is the answer that any other religion must be wrong so when I was exploring my spirituality and I realized that spirituality was important to me I wanted to find a place where I could be myself and grow fully in a spiritual context. And so I, once I let go of my Catholic connections, I enjoyed exploring different religions. I really liked going to some. And uh, interestingly, my husband was raised Methodist and he even became a Methodist minister. He left the ministry because of their stance on homosexuality and then later became a unity minister. But early in our relationship, we realized that spirituality was important to us. And so because so we tried a few Catholic churches again, that didn't wasn't a good fit for us. We tried some Methodist churches that didn't work. And then we just started exploring just random mm. churches. And in fact, one church we went to, we called it the Greater Christian Church of the Holiday Inn because they met at a Holiday Inn downtown. <laughs> and eventually we found a place where we could be together and be ourselves and explore our spirituality as a couple. And that made all the difference for us. Yeah, well, it does. And I think that's the thing is, you know, my husband and I are neither one, you know, we don't practice, we don't, I can't even remember last time we stepped foot into a church, but there's a lot of conversations around spirituality and, and other things, you know, and I feel like as a, you know, 50 something adult, almost soon to be 60 something adult, um, that freedom to uncover and unlock is such a beautiful piece of the puzzle. Yeah. And I think it's parallel to the freedom to explore and unlock even your gender and sexuality stuff. 
I don't believe in a, a higher power or God that says, no, you don't have the freedom of choice. You don't have the freedom to like, go be your most beautiful self. And I'm so glad that I, I'm, I'm glad I'm, I'm glad that I have had this gay experience and am who I am because I feel like it's opened my eyes to being much more exploratory in so many other spaces of my life and not being just locked into it's just this way. And I know it's, it's helped me be a better person, I believe, because I'm not like caught up in it's this way or no way. Okay. There's yes. times my kid, my kids would argue like, no dad, you used to, <laughs> well, there's certain things as a parent, like it's either this way or not going to happen. Right. But, um, so what, what is the thing that you would like to get? You know, I know it's kind of your own journey and everything in the book, but what would you like a reader to truly get out of this experience of, you know, being part of your journey in the book? Everything is perspective. Hmm. When I was young, I thought that my limited little suburban enclave of the world was how the world thought and acted. I did not know that such overgeneralization could be very limiting. So I didn't know better because that's all I knew as a child. Mm. As readers go through the book, I hope they realize that we choose our thoughts. We choose our reactions. And what I learned from writing the book and what I try to impart to readers is that part of my struggle, a large part of my struggle, was not necessarily what people said or did, but how I interpreted what they mm. said and mm -hmm. did. And that was all on me. Yep. I was the one who made the journey so difficult because I was not willing to have the courage to just explore who I was. Of course, I was a child at the time and I didn't have the resources to know how to do that very well, but I learned as we mm -hmm. all do. Mm -hmm. So perspective is everything. And if you, any readers or listeners are, are struggling right now and they're trying to figure out, well, how do I fit into this world or this is wrong or this doesn't feel right, my suggestion is... Think of the world as a prism, a many-faceted prism, mm -hmm. and look at it from a different facet. If you're struggling with something and you don't like the way the world looks or you don't like how you look, then shift your perspective to see it from a different facet of the prism, and it could make all the difference in your happiness and your well-being. Absolutely. And I know when this journey was happening, I mean, it started, it, you know, it started happening way earlier than just my college years. But my college years was when I first really started to own it in a way. I wasn't completely out, but I definitely was much more exploratory in that space. And I would go and so I, I went to a college where like they literally like checked, <laughs> checked our dorm rooms to make sure that we had gone to church and things such as that. It, I mean, it was crazy. And there were moments that I'd like, OK, I'm not going to go to church on campus. I'm going to because we could we could go churches other place, but we had to sign out and say which church we were going to. And I'm like, there were times I wasn't actually going to church. I was going, <laughs> I was the bad boy. I was going off to dance <laughs> class. And that was even a taboo for some day Adventists because we don't dance. We don't do any of this. Right. But yet there I was, you know, and my perspective was I'm going to hell. I'm going to hell. Even though I'm like, I'm getting to be me. I'm getting to be me. And I'm suddenly I'm like, well, wait. And I remember, well, there's more to this story, but I remember showing up to the dance studio and there was a really hot dancer who kind of took a liking to me and me to him, but I was afraid to act on it. Um, came close. I think we, we did finally kiss once, but uh, I was like a freak, 
freaked me out for sure. But I walked in and he's like, oh, you're here early. And he goes, and you're dressed. I'm like, well, I'm not going to ride around naked, but <laughs> I was not dressed for dance class. Okay. I was definitely dressed in some nicer clothes. He goes, did you just come from something? I'm like, and I thought, no, I'm supposed to be going to church, but I've decided to feed my, I basically said, feed my soul by, through my creativity today. And that was the first time, Roger, that I'm like, okay, that feels good to me. I'm feeding my soul through creativity. Did it make it any easier? No, because as soon as I got done dancing, of course, that was the day that something progressed with him. He's like, could you give me a ride back to my, he was at a different university. He goes, could you give me a ride back? And we had a moment and we were, you know, this is the 80s. So even, you know, quote, secular people. And I think he actually was raised Baptist or something. So we did finally have those conversations too. We danced around the whole homosexuality issue, but I mean, come on, we're both, two guys in a dance class. I hate to be stereotypical, but you know, there's, there's some assumptions to be made there. Just that moment of finally just embracing. I'm not going to hell because I'm being creative. I mean, God gave me this ability to be a dance and a musical person and all this sort of stuff. A few weeks later, I was rehearsing for a production on campus and I kind of always wondered about our theater guy because I'm like, yeah, you know, I knew he was married and everything. <laughs> so this was like all laying out like where my life ended up going. And he said, wow, you're really just alive in this role right now. And I said, yes, I am. And he goes, what's changed? I said, I decided to just live my creativity as a God given gift. And he said, it shows. Wow. And I will never forget that conversation. Of course, I'm like, are you checking me out? Old guy. <laughs> he wasn't an old guy. He was a <laughs> little older. I'm like, and then, of course, I found out years later that he, too, came out of the closet years later, which didn't really surprise me. But it was such a freeing moment to see myself step into that. Yes. And I'm curious, you know, for you, when these moments of like literally finally come out of, of the light, so to speak. Did you have a defining moment where it just suddenly felt really good, where it felt really free, like, okay, this is me truly emerging? Or was it a series of emergings? The climactic scene of the book is that epiphany, that moment. Mm -hmm. uh, so I don't want to go into a detail with it here. No, because we want them to buy the book. So <laughs> there you go. But I will say... And I want to encourage your listeners to realize that to get to that point that you just described where you are living fully as yourself and you feel that freedom and you feel that exhilaration for life, you must step through your own courage. Yes. You must, Everything, no matter whether it's coming out as gay or following your dream of what you want to do or starting your own business or whatever it is, you have to realize that there's fear involved, but that fear can be a great motivator and walk through that experience, however frightening it may seem, because at the other side of that, you will find that everything that you wanted to make your dream come true was provided for you before you ever got the inspiration to do anything. But you've got to step through your fear. You've got to walk toward your vision with the courage and the resolve to say, I'm worth this. I can have this. I want this. And I'm going to see where it takes me. And if it's not what I ended up wanting, at least I know from my own experience, I tried this direction. It's not for me. I'll try something else. Right. And 
what I uncovered, okay, so that whole thing kind of, you know, happened. And then I came out to my parents shortly after that and then got like, nope, nope, not going to work. You're not going to be that blah, 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 blah. Right. So I did, I went back in the closet, so to speak. I mean, all through the remainder of college, I went to a new college after that. And there were moments I never did really, well, I didn't experiment with anybody on campus. There were those moments, like many of us, that we hide in, you know, we'll find an adult theater or something, and we figured it out. And and then as I stepped into my, quote, adult life, things continued to get buried and hidden, buried and hidden, buried and hidden. <clears throat> well, ironically, guess what else got buried and hidden? My creativity. It's just kind of like, it, there, there was almost like, I don't want to say it was a complete death, but I wasn't. I wasn't near as open and I, and a lot of people used to say, Oh my gosh, you're just, you always, you never smile. You're always look grumpy and da, da, da. I'm like, well, I, I'm afraid to be who I am. Right. Yes. And so then roll forward, you know, to 1999 and I came out of the closet after being married 13 years. And one of the first thing that people said is, Oh my gosh, you smile. If you smile, wow, we didn't know that you could do that. I thought that's very interesting. And then suddenly I got more creative. And then, you know, as the years rolled by, then suddenly here's the podcast and writing books and all this sort of stuff. I think of many people when they have that moment, you know, yours is the way yours came about, mine came about in different ways, but there's so much that not only opens up besides your sexuality. Yes. There's this other piece of yourself that you truly permit to be unleashed and authentic and live out out in so many ways and joy is such a great sign that you've reached that when you feel the joy so much through your whole body that's a visceral experience you know you've arrived somewhere good Mm -hmm. you know i had an interest i had a rather what is to me a unique coming out experience because i knew since the time i was very young that i was gay and I struggled and struggled and had my big epiphany, my spiritual epiphany. That's the climax of this book when I was about 17. So I came out to my parents before I ever did anything. I sat them down and this was a struggle. It didn't, it didn't come about easily, but I eventually sat down with them and I said, I know who I am. I haven't done anything, but I plan to explore this. And of course, that was a, you know, that was a difficult time for all of us. And, and my parents struggled with it. But later that semester, of course, I went to my senior prom and I took a, a female friend of mine. And I remember my mother asked if we'd come back by the house so she could take pictures. My mom was a big picture taker. She wanted to take pictures of my date and me um, getting, you know, before we went to the prom. So we came back. And my parents were so elated and ecstatic and just bright and thrilled that it occurred to me, and I described this in the book, it occurred to me that they are under the impression that this prom is negating what I told them about me earlier. Mm -hmm. And that's when I realized, wow, I can't just be honest with myself. I've got to remain honest with other people so they know who I am. I can't be myself and stay in in this growth of joy if I lead other people to think something that's not true of me. Now, they made the assumption about, you know, well, I must not be gay because I'm going to the prom with a girl. But 
their reaction made me so sad because they were so happy because they thought this changed everything back to the way they wanted it in the first place, or at least what mm. I thought they wanted in the first place. So I want to encourage your listeners to not only be honest with yourself, but to remain honest with other people. That doesn't mean you have to be open and you know demonstrative with everybody. Right. You use your discretion. But I do realize that other people will make assumptions about me that may or may not be true. And so long as I'm living authentically, they're free to make whatever assumptions they want and they can have that, their own opinion about who I am and what I'm doing. But if I'm being real with me and I'm projecting that consistently, then I'm good. I'm good with everybody. I'm good with the world. That's such a big piece of the puzzle. And this is where I struggle. And I think many of us do struggle is, okay, I'm going to be authentic. I'm going to be real. And and how out and real you are, I always maintain, do what do what's comfortable for you, what makes you feel safe. I'm never going to say, I mean, I get I honestly get really pissed off at some in our community. We're like, they're just not out enough. That's that's your perspective. <laughs> out is yes. out, and you get to, you know, everybody gets to do their journey their own way. But I also find that when you start to embrace, okay, here's how I'm going to show up. Here's how I feel most comfortable, it is the best way of you being the most authentic that you can be in that moment. Doesn't mean it's forever. I mean, there was a time when I, right after I first met my husband, that I, there was some discomfort for him because I'd say we'd be walking through Target or something. I'd say, honey, can you? And I, he didn't ever say anything, but it was just, he, he wasn't as open in that space as I was. And I was probably just happy out and proud, right? I was like, okay, guess what? I'm I'm a big, I'm a big fag now. So, you know, there we go. Um, but as I started to see that, I'm like, okay, I get it. But I also made the mistake of like, everybody else has to catch up with me now. And that's not the way it is. And this is probably one of the hardest lessons I think most of us learn or try to, should try to learn coming out. And I remember this happening in PFLAG um, meetings that I attended. The moment you come out, everybody in your world goes in the closet for the most part, because they have to process. We've been processing and working through this for years. I mean, it was 36 years of me processing and I'm 59 years old and there's still times I'm processing like, okay, well, how am I showing up? Right. I think the grace and the humility is to give others the space too. now at some point. They either kind of get on board or they don't, right? But then that's a different decision-making process you go through. That's a like, okay, well, do I keep them in my world or how much do I keep them in my world? So as you came to that point too, I'm curious, here you are, you're embracing yourself, you're being more of who you are. You had to have had some people who just didn't embrace you in, the, in that way. And if you didn't, how did you handle that? That was very painful at times because mm -hmm. there are friends that I thought were really genuinely my friends who yep. turned out to not support me being who I am. And there were some adult role models in my life, some of whom I talk about in the book, that were supportive and kind at one level. And then, ironically, because of their Christian beliefs, mm -hmm. decided I was the devil and I was going to hell and, yep. you know, Every, that negated everything they knew about me before. So uh, my feeling is the better we get to know ourselves, 
And the more at peace we can become with ourselves, the more we can show up as that person with other people. And yep. in that, from that perspective, we're less vulnerable to other people. You know, my feeling is, Rick, that the way we treat other people is really only a mirror of how we're treating ourselves yep. privately. And so if we're around people who are mean and judgmental, they may seem like they're very arrogant or full of themselves and they love themselves and they just think they're better than others. I disagree. I think people who are cold and unforgiving to other people are exactly that way with themselves. And yep. people who are kind and gentle and considerate of other people have learned how to be that way with themselves. Mm -hmm. So if we run into people who don't understand or are not ready to acknowledge us for who we are, then that's their journey. It doesn't have to be ours. It's easy to let those kinds of people go because what, you know, a, a common rule that I keep for myself and many people comment on how easily I can distinguish what I want from what I don't want is once you know your yes, it's easy yes. to say no. Absolutely. And so there are a lot of things I say no to just because I've spent so much time on the internal work of figuring out who I am and what I want my life to be that anything that doesn't fit into that I have no, I have no problem saying no to that. Mm -hmm. And even if I don't out and out reject it, it just drifts away anyway, because I believe I'm on a spiritual path where I'm going, where I need to go to fulfill my mission in this life, as I believe we all are. Yeah. It's a, it's a simple thing that actually happens a lot. Um, I'm just going to go in the weight loss world. You know, you cannot learn to love yourself on that journey until you learn to love yourself and to accept, okay, I have some extra weight or I, I could use to lose some weight, but the people who are like, I'm just so fat on that, you know, it's how you show up in that journey that it dictates so much of how you step into the journey and being a guy that's has struggled with that throughout the years. And I've gone way up and way down numerous times in the last four to five years, I would say it's been the most consistent where I just, I, 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 you know, getting older, things change too. your metabolism and everything starts to change, but I never say, Oh my God, I'm so fat. Oh my God. I'm such a big guy. Now I'm like, yeah, I'm a big, strong, stocky guy. Right. Even this morning at the gym, I was like noticing like, Oh, you know, the man boobs are kind of, <laughs> they're, they're <laughs> kind of getting there again. And I haven't been able to get to the gym. I've been doing everything else, swimming and all that sort of stuff. But I'm like, I know there's just these little shifts. And again, I didn't have my shirt off or anything at the gym, but I'm like, I could see. And I'm like, okay, well, we need to, we need to pump up the volume here again. But I wasn't going to say, Oh my God, you're so fat. Your man boobs are sagging, you know, because I know psychologically that will be a trigger that then like, well, then what's the point? What's the right. point, you know, and I find as a gay man and, and a lot of people in our community, those triggers of, oh, you're, you're, you're too gay or don't be so gay or, you know, you're going to hell. Any of those triggers, they're the pebbles in the shoe. Yeah. And I don't care how old you get. I don't care how old you get. You have to give yourself permission to visit those little pebbles in the shoe every once in a while, because it'll hit you when you least expect it. Yes. And I think the beauty of like your book and these books that come out and share the journeys is we acknowledge those pebbles are there no matter how much we work on them. I mean, 
they show up in the weirdest times. You know, yeah. I've uh, a few weeks ago, my uh, it's been a couple of months ago, actually. My parents were here for a visit. And it was the first time we'd seen them basically since the pandemic. And I found myself being the little closeted gay boy a couple of times. I'm like, what the hell, Rick? Come on, you're you're a grown adult here. <laughs> but that little pebble was there, right? Yes. And I finally said in my own head, like, it's okay. It's okay to be the little boy. But also remember, you're a very grown man. And yeah. you can be whoever you want to be. Yes. And I think for many of us, this is the value of doing the journeys and having books like yours that really illuminate some of those feelings that help others move through the move through the journey in their own way in a very supportive way. So what have you learned the most from like putting this book together and getting it out there in the world? Like writing a book is hard. No, we all know that. <laughs> uh, but like, what have, what have you felt like, okay, now it's here. What are you learning about your journey as a gay man? Um, now that you put this beautiful piece of work out there. That every piece of the journey is building something fabulous. And mm. even those parts of the journey that seem painful or seem yeah. confusing, or we look back on, on stages of our life and think, wow, that was a tough time. Those tough times gave me the resources to become who I am. Mm. I think mm -hmm. the reason I'm able to face so many things that I have as an adult is because I went through this period so young when I didn't know that I had resources to deal with it all. I was young. I was naive. I didn't know how to deal with any of it. And I didn't have, I didn't think I had anybody that I could confide in to give me support. So I just went deeper and deeper into myself, tried to hide from the world until I eventually emerged through this spiritual experience. So I would like your readers to know that whatever they're struggling with, it's a piece of the journey. And that piece of the journey is pivotal to get you where you want to go. So you process it, you keep moving through it with courage, and you will get out the other side. So well said, because sometimes we ha hit these pieces of the journey and we're like, okay, done, forget it, you know, over, you know. I used to be there many times. I'm like, this is just ridiculous, you know. Another argument with my parents or somebody that didn't embrace me or, you know, even our own community, like, you know, didn't embrace me at times. Like, oh, you've been married to a woman. You're not really that gay, you know, blah, 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 right? It's led me to the space where I don't want to say I don't give a fuck, but I kind of don't. <laughs> I yeah. just embrace like this is where I am, right? And there's still, I'm not going to say I'm perfect yet because, yeah, there's times I'm like, okay, that really hurts, right? Whatever it yeah. might be. But the way with which I can handle it now is so much differently. I mean, kind of back to my parents' visit. Yes, I was feeling a little bit of a little boy and there have been some issues with them over the last year or so. And I went into that weekend like, okay, we're just going to, we're just going to do this. We're going to just like, Rick, you're not going to let stuff get under your skin. If it does, you're going to like process it outside of the scope of this weekend and think before you react, so to speak. I don't think I could have gotten there, Roger, had I not gone through some of those tougher times, like immediately react, immediately like you stand your ground. This is the way it's going to be, which also ties to when you realize, oh, the environment I was raised in, narcissistic. <laughs> leans into your own ability to be a narcissist very quickly. And so this is one of the greatest gifts I feel like I've been given is to see that piece of myself show up from time to time and go, oh, oh, you used to get so angry yeah. because your dad was such a narcissist. 
And here you are, all packaged up and being right there with a big red narcissistic bow on it yourself. Really powerful stuff. Yeah. And I think this is the beauty of the kind of work that you're doing and bringing to the world and helping people see this in a different light. Because it is coming out of the light, not only to your coming out, but coming out into the light of so many other facets of your life. Absolutely. And I think in regard to some of the stories you just shared, Rick, concerning your self-perception at the gym and then your experience with your parents, there's a powerful difference between judgment and discernment. Mm -hmm. Judgment is I look at myself and think, oh, look how fat I look versus I would like to be leaner or Um, you know, I could, I could tone up a little more. I think I would enjoy the journey of getting to tone up a little bit more. Discernment is understanding without the emotional baggage. Mm -hmm. Judgment is the emotional baggage that cripples us rather than empowers us. So as your listeners are going through whatever they're going through in different issues regarding either their sexuality or any element of life, I, there's a there's a fine differentiation between judgment and discernment. If we can Absolutely. stay in discernment, we learn and we grow. If we move into judgment, we take a step backwards. And it's time for us, to, we need to grow through that and past that to get to the point where we want to be again. Happiness comes in discernment, not judgment. Mm-hmm. And discernment goes right along with empathy and compassion too. I mean, I, there were times that I know along the way I was an asshole. I'm just, I own it. I I admit it. But if I had stood in the space of empathy, understanding, compassion, and as you said, discernment, I probably could have handled it better. Now that doesn't mean that the other side of the equation is going to do that. But what I know for me is when I allow myself to be in those spaces of, you know, no judgment, just, you know, being true discernment, compassion, empathy, and understanding I don't get near, I I don't get near as riled up. In fact, sometimes I'm like, "Eh, whatever, let it go. Just go. Like, how important is this to even make it an issue at this point? And I know for many people, you and I have been through it ourselves. It's going to be really hard sometimes to stay in that space of discernment and empathy as you go on this journey, because there's going to be so many against you saying, nope, you can't do this. But If you can start to practice it and it takes practice and, you know, there's lots of people who can help with that from coaches to therapists to close friends who've done the journey. Any of us can kind of lean in and I would invite anybody listening to lean into some of those people and also to get, you know, get your book, kind of see how you did it and see how it goes. So um, any last words of wisdom you'd like to share with the audience before we wrap it up here? Sure. I believe that everyone we meet and every experience we have is just a mirror of what's going on inside of us. So if we find ourselves being judgmental or cruel or put out with somebody else, it's not about them. That's an invitation to look at ourselves and say, okay, what's triggering this in me? What do I want to work on in myself so that I don't feel this way about other people or other situations? Mm -hmm. And from that idea that everyone is just a mirror that always puts the onus back on us, say, okay, if I'm going to be as happy as I want to be and fulfilled as I want to be and uncloseted as I'd like to Mm -hmm. be, then the work is always, I need to be working on myself. And it's a lifelong journey. It doesn't end. You know, there isn't, there isn't a point I don't believe where anybody reaches that level of enlightenment then stays there. We're just like, okay, it's Nirvana from here on through all smooth sailing. And it isn't circumstances that, that, 
do that. They're just the triggers for us to realize, oh, there's more growth here. Mm -hmm. There's another Absolutely. level that I can unravel and there's another height that I could reach. It's all part of the journey and it's all fantastic. Mm -hmm. It's such a beautiful thing too. You know, what somebody says is all about them. What you hear is all about you. And yes. I, I, I coach around that all the time. In fact, before we wrap up here, one of my favorite stories to tell is I had gone to one of Oprah's big weekends when she was out doing the Oprah tour things. And there was an exercise, 10,000 people in this huge auditorium, you know, huge, you know, San Jose auditorium. And um, I'm like, okay, wow, this is pretty incredible. And Deepak Chopra happened to be with her on this tour. And they did this thing where they said, we, we want to, you know, they kind of set it up in a really beautiful way, but basically it was, we want you to think about somebody who maybe you're having some challenges with, or somebody you really care about, you know, somebody that you'd like to be more intentional with, or maybe you've got a good relationship and you want it to continue to work. And for like five, I don't know, it was five or 10 minutes. We sat there and we wrote down everything that we wished for them, everything that we wished. And, you know, there's beautiful music playing. It's like, it's one big, like meditation working space, right? And it's crazy. 10,000 of us were doing this all together. Right. And when it got done, and I don't remember exactly how Deepak Chopra stepped into it, but he goes, so I want you to really look at the list, look at each of those things. And I want you to put, I wish for me. Yeah. Because here's the beauty. Whatever you just wrote down for that person is actually the same stuff you wish for yourself. You could almost hear a collective sigh between 10,000. I was going, oh my God. Yeah, that's the <laughs> mirror. That's it is the, the mirror. mirror. It is a huge mirror. And I, I'm so glad that you put a mirror in the form of your book out there for someone to see and look at and go, okay, first of all, I'm not alone. Second of all, hey, if, if he can do this, if he can step through this in this way, if Roger can bring it forward and share, which is always a beautiful thing there's hope and, and possibility for me as well. So, so if somebody wants to get your book, what's the best way for them to go find it? So they could just look up the title, Light Come Out of the Closet, and it'll show up in several different places where it's available. Or they can go to my website, my name, Roger Leslie, R-O-G-E-R-L-E-S-L-I-E.com. And all the information is there and, and it'll take them to, the, to a link directly to order the book immediately. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing yourself again. This is the second time we've had to do this. This one was a little bit different twist, but um, I really appreciate you, Roger. And I appreciate all of you being listeners and, and coming into our world and allowing yourself the beauty of coming into light in your own way. So thanks again for being here, Roger, and sharing yourself. And I really appreciate the time that you've given to helping my listeners find another pathway to being more authentically themselves. Thank you, Rick. Hey, 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 Life Uncloseted family, another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end and it is time for all of us to sashay away and go face our fears, make those bold moves and stand up to living our life without apology. But before you do, I've got a favor to ask of you. Would you hop over to iTunes or Spotify or Podbean or wherever it is that you're listening to this and just give us a little bit of love if you like what we're doing here at Life Uncloseted. Here's what it does. It helps other people find the show. It helps other people get to know what we're all about. And you just might help change life. In fact, if you really want to change a life, we'd love it if you just ask a friend to take a listen and see what they think. So that's it. Love you all deeply. I'm Rick Clemens, the host of Life Uncloseted. And never stop stepping out, stepping up, and stepping in to living your life uncloseted.